Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you so much to everybody who came down to the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Festival. It was a brilliant weekend. I had a brilliant time. Um, honestly, I had a blast performing and I got to go watch some amazing shows. Uh, it was all around. It was a fantastic weekend so thank you so much to everybody most importantly as i promised in the comedian's game of football i overcame the toe injury and i managed to play and as promised i did complete the hat trick what a debut um it was great fun uh, i actually ended up in the end playing for both teams i played for ireland in the first half and we were five one up at half time I had a couple of, I had a brace in the first half and so then I went and played for the rest of the world in the second half and the full time score was six six. <laughs> so Ireland won in the penalty shootout. It was great fun. We had Fred Cook, David O'Doherty, Tommy Tiernan, Adam Hills all played, and even Garrod Farley played the game of what he calls homophobic football. Uh, he took the most amazing penalty ever. That, uh, to be fair, we were all shocked. It defies science. Somehow managed to put this weird spin on the ball that went straight for the top corner, but hit the post and the the, the post and the crossbar at the same time. I mean, he didn't score, but you know, it was still a mental penalty. Um, it was a fun game. Delighted to play. Keep up to date with all my shows on Instagram at hello stevo. Thanks for supporting the Temple Street uh, Children's Hospital gig as well. There's still some tickets available. Go on to Ticketmaster.ie for the gig on June the 5th. Um, and as I'm, I'm sure you're already aware, uh, this podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Do me a favor. Subscribe. Tell a mate about it. And give it an old five-star review. And even if you hate it, give it five-star. But all that means is it just means that more people are going to get to listen to it and we get to keep making it. So do tell somebody about it, subscribe, and give it an old uh, five-star rating if you can. No, not if you can. Just do it. Right, right. On the podcast today, Emma Manley is an award-winning designer and the founder of one of Ireland's leading contemporary fashion labels, Manley. Having been rejected from art colleges on numerous occasions, Emma travelled the world, working restaurant jobs by night and interning with the designers by day in order to hone her craft. She started as a young girl, learning her trade from her mother and began making clothes at home just for her friends. In this chat, we're joined by her two-month-old son and we talk about the challenges that she has had to overcome in life from the loss of her father when she was a teenager... Uh, to navigating unknown futures ahead and to starting her own business today or starting her own business in the last few years and keeping the business going while she's embarking on the adventure of motherhood. She is an inspirational person and I genuinely loved hanging out with her and her son for this uh, chat and you're going to love this one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Emma Manley. Hey, 
the change of guilty animals. It's, it's taken a while because you are a busy, <laughs> but you are so busy. Yeah. Um, you're a busy woman. We're here with uh, your two and a half month old. Yeah, um, baby Tyg, fast asleep. Fast asleep. He's so well behaved. He's actually having happy dreams there. He's smiling. Yeah, milk dreams, I'm assuming. How is So how has he been? Uh, he seems pretty content. You were saying he's a pretty quiet baby. He is. Like, he's really good, to be honest with you. I don't know if it was. So he basically, he surprised us a month early. Um, okay, so, right. So um, yeah, massive shock and all the rest of us. But I think when they come that early, they're, they find it quite hard to be alert. Right. So they sleep a lot. They're still asleep. <laughs> yeah. So like, look, I'm probably going to get arrested for saying this, but they were saying because he's preterm and because he's so small and all the rest, he's to feed every two hours. So you have to wake him up. And we kind of didn't because he was very happy. And then he'd have really conscious feeds if you left him three hours and okay. he'd feed loads and then he'd do really big sleeps. And he was just far more contented. Yeah. So I don't know if that's kind of helped a little bit where he was so fast asleep for the first while. I, okay. I don't know. But he's he's a calm He's a calm baby, like, you know, he really is. Even in hospital, he was just chilled out. I followed, because I followed a lot of your uh, process of the labor and everything on, you did a lot of it on Instagram and your Instagram stories, and you kind of, well, you kind of kept up, not during the actual yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was tough, wasn't it? You had a tough time with that. I did, yeah. But to be honest, like, I actually almost don't remember it. Like, Owen keeps saying to me, he's like, were you, were you there? Wow. Because I keep reflecting on it in such a positive manner. Now, apparently you do a few months down the line, you then go, holy shit, this is what happened to me. But I honestly, I, I just look at it in a re- really positive light. Like, my waters broke a month early. That uh-huh. was quite the shock. Um, I'd also fallen that day, so there was probably a lot of... I don't know, I think I blamed myself a lot in the early days. Really? Yeah, okay. I tripped up a step, or I tripped up a curb, and I literally fell right in front of a couple. I'd say they were like a gigantic pregnant woman just fell on her feet and then they proceeded to get into their car and you could tell that they were watching what I did next because they were like is she okay so I bloodied my knees and my ankles and all the rest of it so did they help you and like when you fell over was there so he was he was putting money on the car he was straight over to me within a second going do we need to go to hospital um and then god bless him he put me in a cafe sat me down ran to a chemist got everything sorted you know bandaged me up but when I went into hospital that night when my waters had broken they said it was nothing got to do with it okay but look you you don't know you, you don't really know, don't yeah, know. Yeah. and I also I had been really weird the 24 hours before and I'd been really energetic so that's apparently what happens before your waters okay. break anyway so yeah, um yeah. but yeah so I was in I was in hospital for four days pretty much with contractions the whole time um so, so the labor was, was happening over yeah. four days goodness me. I got little windows for sure where there just wouldn't be a contraction maybe for two hours right and then all of a sudden I'd be back to every three minutes it was just mad, but you, you kind of just go into this survival mode. So for those, there's plenty of lads listening who haven't a clue what we're talking about here. <laughs> and I, I yeah. know, so the contractions being, that's when um, your body's preparing, it's opening up to get exactly. ready to deliver the baby. But there's a point when, you know, when you're just about to, when the contractions start, if you're having a contraction once every hour, for example, say everything goes to full term, they yeah. don't want you coming into hospital yet, sure they no. don't? No. You have to be having a contraction every 10 minutes, I think, isn't it? I think it might be a bit less. Okay, even, less. Right. Yeah, I think okay. now, nowadays they're kind of saying maybe five, seven. I don't, I don't know. We live around the corner from the hospital, so we could have Handy. gotten different advice. Yeah, exactly, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But basically, if you're having contractions and your waters break, for example, that doesn't... or doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go into hospital or you do have to win the water um, break. Again, it depends on the person. Okay. But when I called that day, 
they take your details. They obviously realized I was preterm. Right. And they just said, get in now. Okay. Now, I was so ignorant. I thought they were going to send me home. Because, like, before I left, I was like, we'll put the heat on so the water will be hot. <laughs> and I can, like, do my labor, my early stage labor in the bath. Okay. I had the scented candles ready to rock and roll. I never So you wanted to do the home birth and all that kind of stuff? No, I just wanted to do the early stages okay. of labor at home in the comfort of our home. Yes. With own there with me. Yes. With scented candles and yeah. music playing and lots of lovely yeah. stuff. Like, And then they were like, okay, we have a, a bed ready for you on a ward and I was like why 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 would I need that yeah. it's like I'm going home to labor in the bath guys there's no scented candles in this ward <laughs> yeah, okay exactly and then I was like I'm still gonna get a water birth right and they were like honey no like you've okay. more important things to think about right yeah but like just you can have all these oh the little man's just about to wake up that is totally cool so we could be pausing this um this podcast at any point here because if someone needs feeding that's the priority here ladies and gentlemen he needs milk and i need to give it to him so we will be pausing let's take a pause here (laughs) go for it ty and we are back ty's getting fed that's the most important thing in the world this is his happy place so he's grand absolutely (laughs) we um oh yeah it's fucking it flies we're just talking about my kid as well it's like it just seems like yesterday that all that was happening as well and then now my one's my little one's walking around and talking and all that kind of stuff do you enjoy this part of it is it i do strangely enough yeah yeah like i've got a load of um nieces and nephews and they're fierce crack now because they're do you know like we had um the eldest communion there the other weekend okay and you know you're kind of going oh my god when when did she grow up to be this like beautiful little lady you know, I remember her when she was just a baby. Yeah. And now there's so much fun that I kind of thought with him or whatever, you know, I had. I was like, oh, God, like, I think I'll be kind of bored in the early days. Yeah. But I love the baby stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it yeah. actually is fun. And everyone keeps saying the next stage, then you're like, this is the best stage. Yeah. Now, I'm still loving every part of it. But I still adored the first kind of the first month even. I'm sure there's something in, in what the mother gets to do with the with the with the child that definitely the daddy gets jealous of. There's an intimacy there that yeah. is like, well, I did anyway. It's like, yeah. wow, I'm never going to have that. You know, it's, know. A, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I think that's really hard for dads. Mm. You know, I think it's something. Sorry, there's probably an awful lot of sound effects. From he can fire away. Don't worry. He's, you know, he's a hungry man. He is a hungry man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you do. I sometimes do feel sorry for, for dads. And one thing that we did put in place was um, I expressed that the own can do a bottle every evening. Okay. Because I think it's really unfair that like there's this reliance on a mum. Uh-huh. And then I think as well for a dad to have that moment of intimacy where it's like, I'm giving you your grub. I'm giving you what you need. Yeah, it's not yeah. just your mum who can do yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's really important. Like oh, absolutely. If you can do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? That's one thing that they don't necessarily, I found, talk about. The difficulties, like when you started breastfeeding at the start, was that difficult? They don't necessarily talk about that in the months coming up, but for some people it's really, really difficult. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't happen. No, you see, I was so, so lucky. And he was um, he was in a special care unit when he was born. Okay. So he was tube fed. Right. So he naturally should be really, really bad at breastfeeding. Like, he shouldn't have gone on like he did. Okay. But he was the most natural breastfeeder ever. Like, he just, he knew what to do. And I never, like, I didn't even have pain. I was so blessed. Wow. Um, and I know there's probably a lot of women hating on me for that because they're probably going, how did that happen? Because I would everything against me. Yeah. But it was just one of those things that just went, it was, it just went so easily. And it was amazing, you know, and he is a good grubber. Um, so I'm really grateful for that because that is one less hurdle for us to have to kind of, you know, get over. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And it is like, when, when you do watch it happening from the start, it's just like, 
Because I remember freaking out for the first feed, and they're like, "How does this work? How's the I baby know. going to know what to do?" And they know it's the but most natural thing in the world. They don't tell you what to do. <laughs> no. Like that's the thing. Like they really don't. And the funny thing was, actually, in the hospital, they never really emphasised the whole like, "Oh, you have to put the baby on after it's born." So we did this like three, three and a half hours skin on skin time, okay. and the three of us were there in a room on our own, but they hadn't emphasised it to us. So right. then, yeah, He's then starving. Um, sure, well, we didn't know what was going on. He was shell shocked because he was like, yeah, uh, it's where? Too early. Yeah, he was like, where the hell am I? And then his blood sugars were tragically low. And oh, then right. after they were like, yeah, it's because you didn't feed him. It's like, I didn't know. They, like, they, didn't, they didn't tell you that right. Well, okay. apparently you should know this stuff. And right. yeah, they probably should have told That's us. That's interesting. But yeah. That's very interesting. It's the first thing that they need. You're supposed to have them on straight away. Okay. Cause, yeah. Well, because we were definitely coached a lot in that. So my daughter was born in, in Portugal, in Lisbon. And um, we were definitely coached a lot in that kind of yeah. stuff. And yeah, we probably wouldn't have done that if we yeah. hadn't been told that. Yeah, totally. There's <laughs> loads of stuff that you don't know, really. Like, yeah. you just kind of, every day, you're like, oh, I didn't know that. It would have been nice to know in the antenatal class when you have to sit through that class yeah, all day, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I, I found that day fierce crack. Um, so... I've been following you closely. Oh, we, we should talk about our, our history, by the way. I completely forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. You, like, so we came back into contact with each other there. I was thinking about it and was like, oh, yeah, you, I performed in a, in a pub around the corner from here. And but do you remember before that where I met you? Since our first meeting? Uh, I was like, I don't think he remembers this. Oh, God. Okay, you continue with your version and then I'll well, tell you mine. I, so I was at a gig and you came and I was performing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I recognize that girl. I think that's Emma Manley. Yeah. And I kind of went down with the gig and then you came over and, and uh, it was you. And yeah. we were just chatting away. And you were... Well, you've also got that arseways, to be honest with you Have as I? well. Yeah. <laughs> so I went out to the toilet and I said to Owen, I said, see that lad over there at yeah. the bar? I said, I went to school with him. And Owen said, all right. And I was going out to the bathroom. And I said, I'm going to say hi to him. So I said hi to you at the bar. And then I went back to my seat. And then you got up on stage and performed. Oh, but you is that had, the way it went around? You okay. had said that you were performing. And oh, I went back okay. down and I was like, that lad's performing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, Okay, it was sorry, hilarious. it was that way around. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but our history, so what, was there a meeting before that? Yeah, that I missed? you okay. don't remember this. Oh, God. Ah, Jesus. When's so this now? <laughs> this would have been, it was, well, I do it by seasons. It was autumn, winter 13, so it was probably oh 2012. My God, right. Is it okay. ringing a bell? Nope. Sorry. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> Maybe if it gets I, this, this actually blows my mind that you don't remember. Um, <laughs> Maybe. No, so I do know. I do know. No. For the shoot in Smithfield. Yes. Absolutely. Penny Sorry. Drops. Yes, yeah. yes, So yes, we were yes. shooting our Autumn Winter 13 That's right. collection. And our model, yes. um, the beautiful Amber Jean, yeah. was... Was a uh, friend of mine. <laughs> was uh, your girlfriend. And <laughs> Hi, she <Amber>. said... <laughs> um, and she said, would you mind if my boyfriend popped over on lunch? And I was like, absolutely not. And she was like, I think you know him and then lo and behold you walked in that's right sorry I completely forgot. I do very well remember that because that was actually the first time that I saw her model yeah and in my head I like I didn't know that was a job I just presume that people stood there <laughs> and well I knew it was a job I knew you got paid for it but I didn't I didn't sorry I didn't see it I didn't realize that it was a skill yeah, yeah. And I oh remember God, watching yeah. her going, oh, holy shit, that's... that's I have to say, of all the models we've ever used, I think she's still going to be my favourite. We used her, I think, three times. She was Right, an, okay. She was an incredible girl. Like, she just... She moved so well. Yeah, bam, you know? bam, bam. Yeah. It's like all these amazing poses that you see... Like, I, maybe everyone knows this. All these amazing poses that you see in the magazines or online shops and all that kind of stuff. These models are switching between those poses once yeah. every two seconds, every three seconds. But there's seconds. also ones that are really, really bad at it. Okay. And it takes forever to get that one beautiful shot. Whereas yeah. with her, 
every like every single shot every frame I'd be struggling with going oh do we have to edit that one or do we have to edit this one and also do you know with Amber as well something I admire about her so greatly sorry to be talking about your ex-girlfriend now (laughs) but um, she she, I think her Instagram is um, hair free life hair free life yeah so she has alopecia and she wears wigs and it never ever impacted on her modeling yeah. she would come along and and it was probably a much harder process for her to go through mm. but um no much respect for her. massive respect and she she has that's only come out recently that she's yep. publicly come out and uh, she was on the late late show recently with without her wig yeah which i know was huge for her and yeah. when we were going out i remember kind of going you know it was it was so difficult i mean, like it was you know Go, going out and she she had dreamt of basically being able to walk out in the street one day and do that you know and to me I didn't care no. but it's such a difficult thing for her and so I'm delighted for her that she has gone and embraced that and she is like the modelling is just, <laughs> she's yeah. still working away and smashing it it's amazing yeah totally fair play to her yeah um, and so before that meeting though uh-huh. you and I everyone needs to know you and I went to school together we did um, and what, like I, I was trying to think my memories of you I just know you're <laughs> you're bringing up exes I just know who you were meeting at one point that's <laughs> <laughs> Going down the woods just, at lunch I break. Just, oh, yeah, that's all I remember. I remember th- that, yeah, there was oh, one lamp. Because we weren't in any classes or anything together, but I knew who you were, all right. No. And um, you were in... Uh, I don't really have much... Like, you were just one of the girls that everyone wanted to shift, to be honest, Gemma. <laughs> and you were that fellow who moved down from Cork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, I was just exotic for, for, for a month. He was like, he's got a tan and he's a weird accent. Yeah. <laughs> Get him down the woods. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was only thinking, I was like, what are my memories of you in school? And I don't know, maybe it's because I've seen some of your shows. And then actually after we met that time in, in the Patriots Inn and I yeah. saw you perform there, myself and a load of the schoolgirls went to your show in That's Smock right. Alley. Which was, by the way... I'm amazing I was so touched by that that was really a really cool thing that you did so so Emma saw me uh, performing uh, in a pub here and then I was doing my hour show in Smock Alley and brought five of the girls that I was in school <laughs> with um, which that was a mind bender like you know a couple of them were pregnant and a couple of like and, and most of you guys didn't even know the story either as well of what was actually happening behind closed doors and all yeah, that yeah well stuff. that's the thing like I think we would have known parts like I would have always known yeah um, the story with your dad yes um, yeah, yeah. and there was bits that I knew but yeah. and I also knew I knew you had a rough time in school but yeah. I also knew that the, the lads giving you a rough time were absolute a-holes anyway I think there was a, like if I, if I look back in that because I only was in that school for one year was that uh, all? Yeah, yeah. I was only I was in that school for one year, and then what I year? What year was it? For uh, third year, and right. then I went to Declan's for two years, which I actually really enjoyed Declan's and Cabra. But I think if I look back on the lads that I was having a tough time with at that time, as an adult, I'd look back and go, they weren't having a nice time of life no. either. You know, there was no. a lot of there was you know I was quite sports orientated in Cork and then when I moved up I kind of tried to stick to that but it was the first time that I'd seen people taking drugs on a regular basis for example yeah. that that was how they got through the day yeah, that's yeah. how they got through the fucking school day yeah yeah you know um, and uh, so I had, I had never seen that kind of mm-hmm. stuff before and all so I definitely would look back and kind of go yeah those lads were not having a good time and you kind of I was talking to somebody about that recently and I just survived in that that year yeah, because yeah. I had been physic. For example, I've been I've, I've never been physically bullied because I was always because sports I was able to look after myself. But you don't want to be walking into class every day thinking I'm going to have to have a fight. I know, <laughs> which happened a few times. You yeah, know what I mean? totally. And like in I, the building. Yeah, I know, but I I don't think I didn't have a happy time in school at right, all. Right. Okay. Looking back, I wasn't happy at all, and I I honestly think I was a bit of a 
an ass as well. You yeah. know, I got bullied in school, but right. I also would say that I wasn't the nicest person to people either. Okay, okay. Um, it was a really unhappy time for me. Mm. But I never really kind of spoke about it much or I don't think I knew that I wasn't happy. Okay. Do you know that kind yeah. of fine line as well? Like you're growing up and you're so awkward and I had two sisters who went ahead of me. Right. The first one was like such a high achiever, like my eldest sister Louise. She just, she smashes everything at life. She's just one of those people who just does everything right and you know, she's an amazing inspiration to me. Then Sarah came along and Sarah was an absolute tearaway. Right. So Sarah went to school with the teachers knowing that Lou was her big sister and was like, oh, she'll be, she'll be a great kid as well. And that gets and then, imposed on her. Exactly. Yeah. So then I come along and they're like, oh, you're a manly sister, right? And right. straight away it was, you're sat up the front. And so I, was, I felt like I was treated very differently. So it was, it was almost like dangling a carrot in front of me. It was like, mm. hey, guess what? I'm telling you now, you're going to be bad. Right. So I absolutely acted up to it. I was an absolute bollocks for some of it. Okay. I really was. Yeah. You know, but I do think it was drawn out of me. And I remember, um, I think she was a religion teacher. Miss, I'm going to say Miss Doyle. I can't remember if that was her name. But I remember her taking me out of class one day and saying to me, why are you doing this? Right. And I was like, why am I doing what? And she was like, cut the attitude, Emma. You're better than this. Okay. And I was like, and I just remember for that moment of time, just thinking she's actually seeing the person that I probably am. But I don't think I was, I don't think I was mature enough to understand mm. what was going on. Mm. I really don't. It's a, it's a, it's a weird uh, part of, of life and a very difficult part of like, uh, life as a young adult where when you, that you can feel that there's very little hope when you're being told what it is that you're supposed to be yeah. by virtue of the fact that, you know, of your older sister or of, your, of, of this, the institution, the school that you go to. There's, there's cultures created there and you're expected to be a certain thing and yeah. it must have been a very yeah. difficult time for what for the work that you do now like I've been reading up a lot on, on your work recently and you did your first internship with your mother at six <laughs> right <laughs> Which is, I that think headline in the times was remarkable <laughs> that's great I love it but you've you know there in you're thinking of your mother was doing what you do now there was no outlet for that in any of the schools that you went to, to express that. No, no. <laughs> you know? I did. I had a great art teacher. Um, God, I can picture her. She was so tall and beautiful and she's really straight hair and this blunt cut fringe. Anyway, I can't remember her name, but she was amazing. Okay. Um, and she really encouraged me on the art front. But I remember I'd wanted to do like woodwork and TG and I wanted to do all the creative stuff. And they were like, no, you need a business subject. You need a language. Like, duh, that was obvious. But I just kept fighting against it. Were we in a TG class? Were you in Mr. Healy's TG class? The, the, no, the was I Mr. Compton? Okay, was right. He t- was he Mr. I thought Compton? we might have been the same. Uh, Maybe Ms. we were. Well, M- Mr. It wasn't Mr. Healy. The, he was the goal. He played for Galway in hurling. Oh, I, didn't, in his I didn't know that. That okay. wouldn't have registered with me anyway. <laughs> so maybe not. Sorry, I just got a flashback. Maybe we were in the same class there. I don't know. So you, so you were, so you wanted to do more creative stuff. I just wanted to do the stuff I liked. Right. You know, I didn't understand the necessity for having a language. So mm. I went and I did French and I was shit at it. Okay. You know, I didn't, un- I didn't have any understanding why I needed these things. Now, it would have been really helpful. And, you know, if I'd have taken my mum's advice and gone and done a marketing degree before I'd done fashion, that also probably would have been right. really, you know, a clever thing to do. But also as well, my dad passed away when I was in transition year. Okay. So that was just another kind of thing that happened during secondary school that would have blurred my thinking you know um, builds the anger a little bit as well absolutely and just I suppose 
trying to focus on your future at that point in time, your future isn't necessarily college. Your future is, you know, going home to a house that's just lost, like a pillar. Right. And, you know, you've got a very young mum now. You know, my mum was a widow at 50 years of age. Yeah. Um, I was 15. Yeah. That's, like, that's not easy. And I think that looking into the future at that time, my future wasn't very far away. I just kept thinking of tomorrow, tomorrow, like next week or getting to Christmas or, you know, mm. I don't really know what I was thinking at that time, to be honest with you, but I, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't think the whole kind of college thing or where my life was going to go and mapping it out, it, that just wasn't priority. Yeah, just surviving all. day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in that time, in, in that darkness, is there any, is there even a thought of like, okay, you can't think about tomorrow, but is, is there a thought of like, expressing yourself in, this, in, any, in any kind of specific way is there artistically for example as in after he passed away yeah yeah definitely like I started bunking off school like crazy I really? just yeah I just wasn't and my mum was a real um, like she really dealt with things beautifully if that's a way that you mm. could put it but she was up and out every day you know she she always I think her motto was I've got three girls to like not only to live for but I've three girls to allow like she wanted us to have as most normal a life as possible so she'd be up and out playing golf even though she hated it playing tennis <laughs> like anything that she could do to get out of the house to lead by example right um and i think then what i started doing was i knew her her routine and i'd go off to school in my uniform <laughs> and i turn around and i go back home and right. i'd hop in a sewing machine and R that's honestly what i did an awful wow. lot of the time yeah, and okay. for a while I was I was quite a recluse. I remember my pal Finn used to call over to the house all the time. I'd be I like, remember oh. Finn. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd be like, you know, Manly, are you coming out? And I'd be like, no, I'm just going to stay in tonight and do this or whatever. Be like, you know, it'll be good. It'll be good to get out. No, I'm okay in my sewing machine. Okay. And he'd be like, okay, but he still kept calling in. Yeah. And asking me if I wanted to go out, and then eventually I did. But I definitely was going through a phase of I want to be on my own, creating something, and that's that. So what were you making in those days? Oh, God, I was going through this real uh, upcycling phase. So, um, God, I would just, I would make anything, but I was more taking pieces and kind of altering them. Okay. So I used to have an, an awful lot of Formula One t-shirts because my dad in his day was um, a racing driver. So he drove Formula Three and oh, wow. that kind of thing. So, yeah, like we kind of grew up on circuits as, as kids. Okay. So I had all these different t-shirts. And I always remember as a kid, Castrol used to be a sponsor. But they didn't do kids' T-shirts, so they had these massive oversized T-shirts. Right. So I'd put pleats in them and do this, that, and the other, so that <laughs> they'd be kind of cool little girls going out tops. And I just, I kind of made loads of things. And were you wearing the, wearing those bits that you made out and stuff? Yeah, like that? I did. I, I probably would have maybe kind of fifth, sixth year. And actually, do you remember Louise Connolly? Yes. Well, didn't she only buy? She was my first customer, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, she bought a top off me. I still remember it. It was black. It was kind of a black, black material that was shot with a bit of blue. And it had all beading on the boobs. And I think she wore it to her Leaving Cert results night. And oh, I know wow. she still has it. That early yeah. on? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that good? Probably worth a fortune now. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so that, so that really... I made my Deb's dress. Oh, no. No, I helped. No, I made my Deb's dress. Okay. Yeah, I went to Black Tie and I asked them what they did with all of their old ties. And they said, uh, like, we dumped them. And I was like, would you mind saving them for me? And I'd make them into something. And they were like, okay, that's a bit weird, but whatever. So I picked out, I picked out whatever tie they had the most of in the black sacks of ties that they gave me. Right. I made Finian, my date, wear one. Okay. And then I made the dress out of all the ties pieced together. Actually, it really is a beautiful piece. And then I put lace from um, a dress of my granny's on, on the neckline. 
Oh my yeah. goodness, that's amazing. Do you know what? The Cork Examiner got in touch with me a couple of years ago and they were like, oh, we're doing a piece on uh, Deb's dresses. Do you still have yours? And I was like, I do. And they said, do you still fit in it? And I was like, I can check, but I think so. They were like, would you mind doing a shoot? Oh, wow. <laughs> in your Deb's dress. Okay. How funny is that? And so you were in the Cork Examiner with your Deb's dress yeah. from, okay, from whatever years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. So is it a multicolored thing or is it all the it one? It's kind of green. Okay. I still have it. I love the dress, actually. It was green. But it, it was kind of like a shock green. So, it, yeah, it had like loads of different tones to it. And then like a kind of black fleck running through it. Wow. We're definitely going to post that on the social media after this <laughs> when, I, when I post this podcast up. That is amazing. So, you're, as, as I was saying earlier on, you followed in your mother's footsteps uh, by going to the Grafton Academy. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your mother. How did she get into, into that world? Oh, she's a funny story. My God. So, um, she came from a family of six girls. And they all were to go to sectarial college, as you do. As you um, and whatever that was, 70s, 60s, 70s Ireland, whatever. Exactly, Jesus. exactly. You did what you were told. So, mum really, really, really wanted to go to NCAD, oh and right. I'm not sure. I tend to embellish stories like I do clothes, so God only knows if I have this right. That's for the headlines, I'm at ground. <laughs> <laughs> but I basically think what happened was the year that her her dad had agreed for her to go to NCAD. Okay. But they went on strike that year, so they weren't registering anybody. So mum then had to go on and about her business and go to secretarial college but what she did was she took the checks that my granddad gave her to go to secretarial college and she registered or enrolled at the Grafton Academy right and then she was sick one time and didn't go into college for a few days or a few weeks I don't know and the Grafton Academy called her house to ask where she was and they were like Sheila doesn't go there and they were like, yeah, no, she does, actually. <laughs> and lo and behold, my mum got home pretending to have gone to Secretarial College. Oh, God. And had to come clean about the whole thing. There was a war, was there? I'm sure there was. I don't know. I don't remember what she told me. But, like, she made a career out of it. And she made a damn good career out of it. Yeah. She worked her ass off. Yeah. You know? So um, th- those couple of uh, characteristics are definitely things that you've carried on. Bit of a rebel. I mean, to do something like that is a big fucking deal. Yeah. So you have, your parents are paying for the other yeah, totally. college. Yeah. Um, and you definitely have that streak in you as well and the hard work to go through what you did. Yeah. You've interned in, in London, in New York, while running restaurants and working in the service industry and doing all that kind of tough stuff. To follow to do what you want to do, you work for yourself, you have your own business, you have your own fashion label. It's mm-hmm. fucking hard work, isn't it? It is. It's a lot of hard work, but it's it's not hard work when you love it. And I know yeah. it's a bit of a cliche, but like you're the same. Mm. I love what I do. I genuinely yeah. love what I do. I love my studio. I love being there. I love creating. I love when I get messages and emails from people saying, you know, I wore this dress to my daughter's communion this weekend, felt yeah, like a million so dollars. Cool. That's what I love. Yeah. You know, there's, amazing. there's parts of it that I don't like for sure, but there is an end goal. And I love that part. You're at you're an age in your teenage years where, as you say, you cannot see the future you cannot go this is my path in life after I finish school and all that how do you because the the self-employed game is difficult because no one's giving you a no one's giving you a plan nobody's going you know here's how you're going to start your own label Emma do you know what I mean no one's going you know you went and did the hard graft of going and traveling the world and working all those hours in the different places you did how does that start you left school where does where did you do what so again there was I'd say there was a bit of a bit of war in the Manly House because my eldest sister would have very much stepped in as the kind of daddy role at okay. the time. Um, she was very, very good to me and really looked after me. And her and mum had agreed that I'd be best doing marketing. I'd done all the 
whatchamacallit, you know when you go to, you pay one of these people to look at, they do these tests on you and they tell you what to do. Oh, right, a career okay. advisor kind yes, of a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd gone to one and she was like, marketing. That's what she'd be great at. Fine. Um, so I had kind of gone against it. Basically, I didn't hand in, to cut a long story short, I didn't hand in my CAO form. Um, so it was according to them, I filled it out and I applied and all the rest of it, but I actually didn't. But I applied to Clush's either, which is a college of further education in Finglas. That's right. And they had a fashion and textiles year-long kind of um, foundation course. Okay. So I had applied for NCAD in sixth year. I didn't get in. My portfolio wasn't good enough. So then I got so a So this place. is for fashion in NCAD? Yeah. Right. But you have to apply to core. So you don't get fashion. You do core. Oh, so, that's the, so core year in NCD is when they do a bit of everything? Is everything. It? They yeah. basically want you to be a creative and they want you to be really malleable. So their problem with me always was that I was too focused on fashion. I had too much of a flair for it. And I didn't perhaps show interest in other areas. And of course, my portfolio was very fashion driven because that's what I loved. Mm. Now, I did have all the other stuff in there, but I, it was just too much fashion for them. Simple as. So... Um, I'll never forget the day I said to my mum, like, I was like, look, look at this letter I got into Clash the Eve. And she was kind of going, all right. And like, you're happy about this. And I was like, I'm ecstatic. And this is what I want to do. So the deal was you go off and you do that course and you work your ass off. And then I will consider supporting you going to fashion college. So went along, went in every single day without fail, like literally every day. Um, And then I won the Achiever of the Year Award for the art department. Um, I worked my ass off I really did and I bloody loved it in there and then I got scouted by Topshop so I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody and they were hiring personal shoppers and stylists and they got in touch and said we're opening a flagship store do you want to come work for us so the intention was to go part time Okay. but after doing Clash the Either, I'd sent my portfolio off to what I'd really wanted to do which was NCAD and LSAD, uh, Limerick, LS- Limerick School okay. of Art and Design. Um, and I got, once again, two rejections. So all of a sudden then I was taken on. What are the rejections based on that at that point? The same thing? I just wasn't good enough, like. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you say that now, you, you, do, you, do you agree with that assessment now? Of back, of I'm, back then? It's really tricky because I do get asked this all the time. And I understand how they assess people. I genuinely understand it. But I also think there has to be some leeway for people like me who had that passion and drive. But then, do I do what I do now because of all the knockbacks I got? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. wh- what? Like it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. I'm yeah. not entirely sure why I am doing what I'm doing. And if my path would have been, if I just would have started Manly a couple of years earlier because there wouldn't have been the faffing around. Yeah. Do you know? So yeah. maybe it was a blessing that they didn't accept me. Mm. Like, maybe it was. Like, maybe that was my dream, but it wasn't... Like, it just wasn't meant for me. You can't... Necess- the, what, where you are now would not necessarily have been produced out of... Maybe they, w- they wouldn't have been able to produce you. you I'm not I mean? so sure. Yeah. yeah. Because okay. my skill set's very different to okay. what would have come out of an art college. Okay. Um, not knocking it. It's just... It's a different education, and it's, it's just different. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So what is the difference... In, be, be because you went and got work experience? Um, yeah, so basically I worked full-time then in Topshop that year doing the... I was an in, in-house personal shopper for them. I also ran their Topshop to-go service. What does um, that mean, an in-house personal shopper? You're shopping for clients? The people used to come in and they'd... 
they, they would like do you know actually we all we often had a lot of people after babies going my body's changed i don't know how to dress anymore can you right. help me so you'd go off and shop for them and it was an amazing learning curve because you got to see how people that basically what irish women didn't okay. like about themselves yeah. And it was quite an eye-opener. A okay. lot of people, they'd come in, they wouldn't say... The first thing they wouldn't say is, I've got great legs, let's show them off. The first thing they'd say is, I hate my arms, I want them covered up. Wow. I've got a bit of a flabby belly. You get the negative, negative, negative. You'd never get, do you know what? I think my face is beautiful. It doesn't matter what you put in my body. Like, okay. it, was, it, was all, it was so strange. Right. But it was... Little did, I real, little did I know at the time what an impact that would have for me designing. Of course. Later, yeah, it's an you know? invaluable experience. Totally. It's, it's also a cultural thing, isn't it? Because I remember massively <laughs> my um, my girlfriend's Portuguese and her dad <laughs> saying like, "Your your ass your ass is your best asset." Do you know what I mean? And they're yeah. but they're just talking about physicality yeah, of, yeah. Of, of of stuff, and that's very normal. It's not weird or any way. But that's the thing; it shouldn't it shouldn't be weird. But yeah. we're Irish and we're prudes, and we're just like that's just the way we are, and that's just that's what I learned in there. But again, I don't think I knew it at the time. So I don't think that was like registering with me that this was going to be something that I'd learned from. It, was it something at the time that you were kind of flipping on its head and kind of going, were you naturally reacting at the time going, don't be talking about the negatives, you've got this great, you no. know? No. Oh, well, I, I'd know how to say, like, I always, my first question to them after they gave me the spiel of what they hated, it was always, what do you like about okay. your body? And let's emphasize that. Okay. Because okay. that's how I dress for me. Right. I know what what I like about myself so I emphasise that rather than trying to mask everything else and that's always kind of been my attitude to dressing so that's how I styled people right um, so yeah that's just the way I've always been and I think that would have been from my mum you know she'd always say like oh you know you've got a great set of legs show them off okay you're like okay right that's what, that's what you do yeah you know that's really cool that is yeah. really cool yeah it's interesting it's just it's just changing your mindset a little bit so that you don't look at yourself first thing in the morning and say oh Jesus look at that belly I'm going to cover that up today now right should be saying look at those legs aren't they fantastic <laughs> do you know let's put on a short skirt but not that Irish people are ever going to be that way but you hope that just a little bit more we could be yeah so how does how, how, how did you go from the top shop experience to so you had a drive to go do your own thing obviously because that I presume that would have been a career within a company that you could have you could have stayed there and worked your way absolutely. up absolutely and I did um, the top shop to go service with um a great girl called Wendy. She now owns um, a beautiful store in Temple Bar called Scout. Okay. But we worked together for a good few years on the Top Shop to go service. So it was a personal um, kind of stylist service brought to your home. So again, that was something totally different. We got to drive like this deadly big like Mercedes Jeep oh. loaded up with a load of clothes. Oh, yeah. I remember like Moet were like sponsoring at the time. So we used to bring bottles of uh, little snipes of Moet out of people's houses. Oh, wow. We had the time of our lives. It was gas like. <laughs> Champagne um, job. Totally. Uh, but then it just, it, I went again for uh, NCAD and LSAD. And again. So you're still trying to get in at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but actually, sorry, in the meantime, then I set up a stall in Cows Lane Market. Right. So I started making like little Jackie O style jackets and then selling my wares down on Saturday in Cows Lane Market. And then I'd work in Topshop five other days in the week. Um, and then, yeah, didn't get into the colleges again. So it kind of just got to the point where it was like, I was, I was the wealthiest person probably in my gang then because I was just earning money to beat the band, like absolutely to beat the band. It was, I was on good money yeah. and I was living at home. I was bringing in packed lunches. Life was, was grand. Like I could go out when I wanted. Um, but then it kind of got to the point where that's, people are going to start graduating soon. 
mm -hmm. they're going to get real jobs. Right. And you're still going to be doing this. And I knew it wasn't my future. Like, I was getting bored. I wasn't, I wasn't excited about it anymore. So You're um, quite young at that stage. So everyone, all your mates are in college and you're, you're kind of working yeah, that. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying to think what age I would have been. I was young leaving school. So I was kind of, I was maybe 17, 18, 19. Yeah, I probably went to college eventually when I was 19 going on 20. Okay. So, um, yeah, the realisation... That was Colossi Ida, it was nineteen twenty that you No, Colossi Ida would have been 17 when okay, I left right. school. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of... I think it was just the realisation of you actually just need to, to crack on and do something. So I applied to the Grafton Academy. It was not what I wanted. It's where my mom went. Right. And I was ready to do Emma. I wasn't ready to rehash, okay. you know, Shishi's life. I wanted to be my <laughs> own person. And, you know, at that age, you're kind of like, oh, my mom's such a fuddy-duddy and my mom's this like now I'm like my mom's my best pal she okay. rocks but at the time you don't think that and I was like I want to work in fashion mum you were just a like I, I never appreciated what she did put it that way um, so got into the Grafton Academy and yeah worked part time then I just reduced my hours and still doing the, the whole kind of um, personal shopper thing but learning how to, I suppose, design clothes during the day. It's a really traditional training. It's something that I think has stood to me greatly because I still, to this day, draft all my own patterns. Now, this okay. is all gibberish to you. No, go on, go but on, tell it, explain. People so usually just draw, draw right. things. So they'll say, oh, this is my collection. And right. they'll have a team of people around them to then pattern draft. So that's like the actual technical stuff where that's you're... That's a bit of a cop-out. So, so people have an idea and they get someone else to draw it? Yeah, all right. but they draw Cheap. it and people, yeah, people then draft the patterns and then make the samples and whatever. But I still draft everything myself, make all the, the samples, which is called twalling. Um, it's called twalling. 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 Mm, nice. So I make all the twalls myself. Okay. Um, so I think it's given me a real understanding for creating pieces. Uh -huh. um, like, I didn't love it while I was there, to be honest. I went in and I worked every, or went in every single day, worked my ass off. I was probably the first person in, last person to leave. You know, I worked really, really hard. But I also wanted to get out of there as quick as I could. So I rushed my exams, got out a lot quicker than than I probably should have. Right. But I had all my exams done, so tick, 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 tick. All boxes ticked. So you sound like you're in a hurry at this point. What are you, what, I've what? been in a hurry since I've been 12. Like, this is the <laughs> thing. I was in a hurry to get out of school. Can you imagine getting sent to do transition year? Can you imagine you what, to, you what that to do does to somebody who's in a hurry? Who's in a hurry to get out. Holy shit. So what's the hurry? Just to have your own freedom? I just, I don't think I was very good at the first part of my life. Does wow. that make sense? I had this conversation with my girlfriend last night of this kind of feeling of, I think like it's, it's really harsh and really depressing, but of, of, of a feeling of, I remember being as a, as a kid feeling that I was a failure. Yeah. And that I had to, I had to prove myself or something yeah, yeah. like that. And so because I wasn't ticking all the boxes in the family home, I wasn't ticking the boxes in school and all that kind of stuff. So what that does create is you get to a point of failure where, everybody is going you're you're naughty you're bad or blah 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 blah, and you're not working yeah. with what you're supposed to be doing and then i think that's when the hurry starts yeah you're gonna go i'm gonna fucking prove everybody else wrong here i can be something yeah okay so when you say you felt that you were not good at the first part of your life you were talking about even in primary school and all that stuff no i think i think primary school to a point was quite happy for me okay um i think but again well i don't know i don't remember jesus yeah. i don't remember um but I do think secondary school, I was in a mad hurry. Mad, mad hurry. Get me yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah. I <laughs> wasn't happy. I didn't want to be there for the most part. 
and I just kind of wanted to get on doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was I think I was always quite entrepreneurial and I kind of just wanted to be able I wanted the freedom. I don't think structure in, in the early days did me any any good. Okay. Like for sixth class, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place Keep here chronologically. Man, all right. So I was sent away to Ring College, Clutch and Rinna, uh, down in Ring and Waterford for sixth class. Both of my sisters had been, and of course they were like girls of the year, whatever you get, like you get this, I don't know, girl <laughs> of the year, whatever it's called. Yeah. I went and I failed miserably. I cried myself to sleep every night. So that's a boarding school in sixth class. Yeah, it's right. basically to get your Irish up. Okay. It's everything's a and all the rest of it. Now, if I'd known that I was going to meet a Gaelgor and yeah. marry a Gaelgor, <laughs> I probably would have stayed for the year and actually tried to learn some Irish, but instead I just planned how the hell I was going to get out of there. For those of you who don't know, listen to the UK, for example, a Gaelgore is an Irish, a native Irish speaker, which is a language, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. don't believe this. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. um, so, yeah, so I spent half the year trying to get out of there and eventually I broke free. My parents agreed that I could come home because I was so tragically Miserable. upset. Yeah. But I used to say, like, they make us go to bed at this time or they won't let me play my keyboard when I want. Like, shit, like, like this, this stuff gets me, right? What table do you want to sit at? Like, this was the question that you got asked on your first day of enrolling. What do you mean, what table do I want to sit at? Well, do you take your tea with milk and sugar or just with milk or black? Oh, God. So you decide then and there. Yeah. And they put on your table this mad big pot of tea. And God forbid you took milk and sugar because they'd have it sugared and milked in the pot for you. Yeah. I know. What's the point of... Exactly. The food was awful. Like, it, it was awful. You know, I think a lot of people thrive in that place. Both of my sisters did. Mm-hmm. I didn't. So maybe that's the difference in the person in the personality traits of certain people totally. that will thrive in systems. Yeah. And I know, I like, I, like it's a heartache as well. But I know, like, it's something that I've just never worked well with being told what to do. Yeah. Or um, this is the way. This blah blah blah. And sometimes you figure out the game in certain aspects of life, and you, you, you know. You'll do what you have to do to get to, like you in the Grafton Academy, you probably worked out what the game was, got to get these exams done, boom, boom, boom. But naturally, as a person, you're showing there from a very young age, you don't want to be told what the fuck to do. No, and I think it probably is a trait of being a true creative. And it's so funny because I never, I never see myself as being a real creative, right? Like you see these real arty-farty people out there and I'm like, you guys, that's an artist. And I'm like, I just think they're amazing. They just want to draw all the time. And I'd say, like, their minds are incredible places to be. Uh I'm kind of halfway between a business person and and a creative. But even still, my creative tendencies are, I don't know, have have been there since a very early age. That, like, not working well within systems. Not, like, like you, just not really wanting to be told what to do. And it's not it's not necessarily a rebellious thing. I think people think that you're you're kind of you're acting up or yeah. you're being an asshole. But it's just because this doesn't work. It's not how my brain works. Yeah, like I, it's depressing if you get constantly told do yeah. do you literally start going. Yeah. you know, and then and then it's well then what do you want to do? Sometimes you don't know what you want yeah. to do either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just want to go and figure it out. You know, kind exactly. Of a thing. Um, so tell. Uh, how was it? You obviously made the, the the tough choice to go and do those internships in London and New York. Yeah. How was interning is difficult. How was how was that? It's mighty difficult, but I, I will honestly say once again, it's such a huge part of my education process. It probably taught me more than college ever did. College gave me the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. This is how you design. Interning showed me life and what what it is to work in the fashion industry. So I, w- I was quite 
strategic in a way about how I went about planning my internships. So in New York, I went and worked for a company called VPL. So essentially what they did was like super luxury um, underwear and sportswear. VPL as invisible panty line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it was kind of like underwear as outerwear. Right. So beautiful little bralettes that maybe you'd wear with like kind of like what the trends are now. The way you'll see people going around with like tracksuit bottoms and little bralettes. But like it was underwear and and streetwear as well. But they were a startup. So it was um, basically what it was was a British stylist and an American. I suppose she was just the kind the money. Right. And the, the business brains. And they came together, created the brand. So it was a very small studio in New York. Um, and you got to see really like the, the, the very start of their journey. So then when you contrast that with going to London and working for McQueen, where at that point he'd just been bought over by the Gucci group. Right. So like I remember the first day walking into the studios and like it was this very grand place. And it, it just, it was moneyed. It was so moneyed. Whereas VPL in New York, hell no. They okay. were absolutely clutching at straws. Like, it was right. really difficult for them. Counting so, the pennies. Yeah, exactly. So it was really, really nice to be able to contrast and compare them and see how they did it versus how they did it. And yeah. you learn different things as well. Like, in VPL, you kind of had to be... Um, you had to be a little bit of everything because they didn't have the, the money to hire loads of people so right. it was kind of like can you do this 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 and this Just to do whereas, 10 jobs. exactly whereas in McQueen you were on this specific team and your job was this right so yeah it was but it was amazing you know a lot of people have a lot of um, issues with the whole interning thing yes um, is that a, do you think that again culturally is that an Irish thing uh, more than because from living in London in my time in London everybody's doing two things yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and you're not getting paid for it, and you're not rich, and you are living in a shithole warehouse and all that kind of stuff. But you, you do it to get to where you want to go, kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, I do think that there's definitely kind of like a, a certain sense of an entitlement, maybe with a certain generation that came out of college that yeah. then start kicking up a fuss about it. Now, fucking does my. <laughs> yeah, like. I know yeah. we sound so old now. But I know, it's yeah. Like, I've worked with people in um, service in. Like, I can't get over the laziness yeah. of some people. Like, and they're only a couple of years younger than me. Yeah, bone lazy. Nuts. Yeah. Now, Absolutely we'll mental. get shot for saying that, but it is, it is true. It's just different, different times mm. produce different people. Mm. Um, so I do think that that's definitely a part of the negativity around interning. Right. And obviously, there is something wrong about it. But would I have hired me in McQueen to do the job that I did and paid me? No. Yeah. Holy shit. If they had have yeah. done that, if they'd have hired all the interns there, like the company would have gone under. Yeah. We were there to do the minions jobs because they needed to be done and that was that. Mm. And guess what? We all learned a hell of a lot from mm. it. Yeah. Um, I think it's something, like I think some internships treat you badly and some treat you well and I think, you know, for me, one thing that it's taught me with Manly is how to treat my interns um, and I'm, I'm never going to be shy about saying that we have interns. People often say to me, you know, oh, how many people do you employ now? And I'm like, I barely employ myself, honey. Like, mm. this is the reality of the fashion mm. industry. But what I do have are interns. So I'll work with the colleges on, on kind of intern. Like, a lot of them say they give the kids a year where they'll say you go off and you intern. So say with NCID, it's called Studio Plus. Right. So I'll get emails at very particular times of year saying, would love to do my Studio Plus with you you know, what can you offer? So usually it's three months or six months. And I, 
I, I'm quite strategic about how I plan their time and what I do with them. I don't just get the students into the studio and say, there you go, this is the work that needs to be done. You're teaching them. You know, you're sharing everything with them. So no matter what I'm doing on the computer, I'll be like, guys, this is what I'm doing today. Or I'll be very honest going, oh, guys, it's been a really bad month. You know, sales haven't been great. We okay. don't have enough money to pay for our fabrics for next season. We really need to put our heads together to think about this. They see the reality right. of what it is to start your own business. And they then leave Manly going, God, that, do you know what? That's not for me. Or okay. you have put the fire in my belly. I want to be just like you and do what you do. That's few and far between. But I think it helps them to learn what path the they'll take. Yeah. And I think that's a really, it's a really big lesson for yeah. anybody to learn. That's an amazing, there's amazing love and passion in you going, doing that for uh, other people. Because like I did a carpentry apprenticeship when I, like, I left school at 16 or 17. And that's, the apprenticeship system in this country is like it's a designed system with the government and the workplace and you wouldn't get that care on the building sites no to make sure that you know x y and z is being covered and all that kind of stuff it was all we were cheap labor yeah because yeah, yeah. I, I did it during the boom times we were cheap labor and like they did not give a shit they just get this work done quick we're making money on how many doors you hang and yeah. so i only know how to learn hang doors for two years you know come here to us. do you want, you don't want to come around to our uh, apartment no, and finish our kitchen because <laughs> i can't get a bloody carpenter for love nor money i hear they're back and i haven't got a tool in me like i'll come around and do jokes if you want if that will help your kitchen can you do jokes <laughs> while you finish it i bloody went into hospital to have tig and i came out they, they finished it to a point and I can't get the little ship back in to finish the kitchen. Oh, really? And I can't get any carpenter. There, yeah, I'll have to see if I, like, I'm, I mean, I haven't done it in, when did I leave I'm that? only joking. Yeah. But when did I leave it? 2007. Really? Yeah. I just did my time and that was it. I left and, and, and uh, did other stuff. And actually, that, it was, two, that, yeah, 2007, sure, 2008, the arse fell out of the whole place and there was no jobs. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of, and everyone's going to Australia. I was like, I'm, I don't even want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Thank God, in a way, you got out of it. Oh yeah, I was miserable. Like I was, I, it was the one thing that was like I gotta finish this at least, but I was yeah. not happy on the building site, so it wasn't for me. Um, so Manly today, how long is Manly going now? Eight years. Eight years. Wow. Nine years. And sorry, I'm counting on my head. I think it's nine. Okay. Yeah, and nine years. In all that time, where it started out, did you just start out with the business boom, or were you part time with something else when you started out the business? Or? Um. So when I was in my second internship was with McQueen in London and. I did that for a year and I worked part-time in a restaurant and then it was more my mum than anything saying to me, you know, Emma, like you're burning yourself out. And okay. I was, I knew I was, but I'd be working double shifts on a Saturday. I was also hostessing in the same restaurant as being a waitress. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a job I loved. Yeah. Also met a lot of friends there, like lifelong friends. Yeah. It was an incredible experience, but they had the position um, open for an assistant manager. And to be honest, I think it was probably because I was the only uh, English-speaking employee <laughs> there. They were like, any chance you wanted, Emma? Yeah. And it was more money, more stability. And my time at McQueen had come to an end. It was very, very clear that they weren't impressed that I had a part-time job to go to because I wasn't always available okay. for them. Um, but you had, to, you had to pay your rent. Yeah, so, exactly. And they so that was the compromise. Um, but stuff like I never got to go to Fashion Week with them right. because they'd be like, oh, she's the one who leaves at five o'clock every day. Okay. You know, um, so that, that was a bit shit. Yeah. Um, so I decided it was, you know, time up. I knew they weren't going to employ me. They loved employing 
the interns, the, the German interns, because they, their technical training was sublime. Okay. So I kind of saw a bit of a, a trend and I was like, I'm not going to get employment here. It's the time to, to buzz off. So I took the job full time in the restaurant. And the first thing I had to do was hire a few people. So um, Katie, one of my best friends, uh, a London, uh, well, she's not a Londoner, actually. She's, uh, she's from Manchester, but she's still living in London. She's an illustrator. Okay. And she had come to do an internship in London and needed a part-time job. And in my interview for the restaurant, they'd said to me, oh, can you do five plate service? And I was like, yup. I had never held more than two plates in my life. <laughs> it was like basically a champagne bar as well. Um, and I'd never held oh, a tray with champagne glasses. Like I was shocking. And so people are not going to appreciate how difficult that it's is. It's so difficult. Like the restaurant I worked in in London, my first month I spilled dessert wine over customers trying to carry it on the tray. And oh, I totally. like, I'll never did it again. But everybody has to. I think you need to do it two or three times. And then once you've done it, it's kind of like, you know, you're not going to so do it again. Mo- it's the most mortifying yeah. thing ever. And then you've, to, oh, it's, it's just, it's, it is, it's horrific. Like, but I remember Katie sitting opposite me and I just, I think I, I, I don't know what, what way it went, but there was somebody else interviewing too. But she got the job anyway because I was like absolutely we're taking her on. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of um, well, my my pal now Freya from she was also in the Grafton Academy. She came over. She interviewed. So all of a sudden I was surrounded by uh, wow by I don't know people. Yeah, you exactly. Got your, you got your gang going totally, so and it was important. deadly. Like in the restaurant, it's since closed, probably for reasons such as this. But the lobster would go off on Mondays. So I was always rested in on a Monday because we got to eat the lobster because they couldn't sell it on Tuesday. Best food ever. It was deadly. Oh, so amazing. myself and, and Frey and Katie would sit around chowing down on our, our, our lobster staff dinner. That's so, so good. So yeah, times were good. But anyway, so yeah, I did that for a year and my sister was actually pregnant with um, her first daughter, Emily. And that was the first grandkid in our family. And it was just a, a time that I kind of think I was... I was missing home anyway. Okay. But my sister going through that and this being such a, I suppose, a pivotal point in her life, I kind of just wanted to be at home. And on the side, I'd been drafting patterns and making things and I'd done a little photo shoot in London, not really knowing where it was going to lead. But yeah, when she told me she was pregnant, I started planning then and saying, Do you know what, I think I might think about going home. And then she Skyped me one day and said if you want to make a go of this like you know mum would have you back and whatever and then mum got on to me and said you can have my old studio in the house like you can just take that over oh my god you know come get the support here so I had everything kind of lined up at home and I could go back to my old pals and just have the support so yeah Emily was born and very quickly I I moved home that's a that's a beautiful because I can see very much like I don't know a lot about fashion but from from the few times that we have chatted from the way uh, when you're chatting your social media and all Ireland is very important to your work isn't it and it's like hugely yeah yeah, but I think there's there's a certain person who's brought that out in me really yeah my hobby own like yeah it's um you're very uh, yeah you talk about him a lot and very loving obviously you love me your husband but there's there's yeah. a passion there oh that, God, that yeah. is connected to to specifically ireland that comes from him totally because like, he's from cork yeah up from the cork. Rebels. yeah yeah um and he reminds me that he's from cork every single day and he reminds me <laughs> like that Ty is from man. cork he's not from bloody cork <laughs> yeah he's born in dublin sorry on like every time i take the bloody baby grow off the child i'm like what is the people's 
Republic vest doing on that child again? <laughs> Can we just dress him in any colour other than red? For those of you around the world who are not going to understand this at all, Cork is a county in the south of Ireland that is quite um, determined to call themselves the capital of the country and all that. The real and, capital. And I'm, and I'm from there. And like part of the stresses that I had growing up when I first moved to Dublin at 14 was like, I would stress, I would count the years that I've been living in Dublin versus the years I lived in Cork because that would make me more Dublin or Cork. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. mental. Totally. It's totally mad. It's like, it, what they say is if you meet an Irish person, the only person who'll ever tell you where they're from is a Cork person <laughs> because it's so important to them. Like, I would never meet somebody and say, I'm from Dublin, Ireland. Whereas, like, I'm pretty sure the first words out of Owen's mouth are, I'm from Cork. Yeah. It's and they're so proud of it. But it's actually, it's a beautiful thing. I used to say that when I was in, in school in, in Coolmine and Declan. They used to say, like, you know, I'm Cork first and Irish second. <laughs> <laughs> it's mental. It's, but it's brilliant. Like, it still makes me laugh. Like, yeah. sometimes he comes out with things and I'm like, honey, you don't have to tell me. Like, yeah. I know you're from Cork. Like, you remind <laughs> me every day. But he's just, yeah, it's, it's mad. But no, I think... One thing about him was I would have never been massively patriotic. Okay. Um, like my parents, you know, we, we I'm from a family of three girls. Like it's not like, and we were sporty, but we weren't up in the local ga club. Put it that way. That mm-hmm. wasn't part of our, like we went to the local tennis club instead, yeah, you know. Yeah. But like. Which are actually next to each other in Castlenock, aren't they? They are indeed, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was just something that was never really instilled in me. But then when Owen came into my life, he is so Irish mm. like the boy couldn't be any more Irish mm. and even the fact that like I remember as like a kid I used to be like why do people learn Irish like they should take <laughs> Irish off the bloody signposts like it's ridiculous it's such a waste of money we should bury that language I'm mortified that I ever said that now yeah. because he's educated me in the whole thing yeah. and I just think like going down to his his um, where he's from is a place called Coulee in, in West Cork it's a beautiful, a beautiful part of the world. Like I just good cheese I, from there, isn't there? Ah, there you go. And Falon. Do you know Falon jams and relishes? Oh, I don't actually know. Yeah, well, they're from out. they're from Coulee as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and there's Toons Bridge just up the road. Best mm. pizza you're gonna get. It's it's honestly it's a mecca for food down there. Um. But I think yeah, he he's he's definitely instilled that in me. We just, I I don't know. It was just something that had never really been awoken inside of me and then he came along and talked about all things Irish and now I'm like it's such a great thing where did you guys meet oh it's actually quite sweet Um, oh back to Connolly Louise Connolly no way yeah geez Louise two shout outs oh there you go Lulu (laughs) Um, so Louise sat next to Owen in Borgosh and I think she recognised two people in her life that were very lonely and who were probably quite similar. So in, sorry, in Borgosh Theatre? or No, in, in the, the, well, Borgosh the Energy Company, <laughs> what oh, it is first and foremost. <laughs> sorry. It's not a theatre. So she was working in Borgosh with him, was yeah. it? And, yeah, yeah. All oh, right. And in marketing, and she sat next to Owen. Right. And she, do you know what it was, actually? One of the girls had just gotten engaged. Katrina had just gotten engaged, and we were all around at her house. And I remember Louise saying to me, Manly, when are we going to get you kind of, you know, with a fella? And I was like, God knows, you know, I try, but there's nobody out there. And then she said, uh, there's this guy in work. And all the girls have said to me not to dabble because it's somebody in work and then your friend and it's not a good idea. And I was like, no, pass on my number. Happy out. All right. So I thought you were like, I can't have him because I work with him, but you want him. <laughs> no, not right. at all. Okay. But yeah, so she passed on, on the number and yeah, we, we went on a blind date. Oh, really? Pygmalion, yeah. Pygmalion, right, okay. Yeah. And so went for a drink and just hit it off, that was it? Yeah, like, it was funny because he just said I grilled him. 
So, and I do ask a lot of questions. I'm a really, I'm a really inquisitive person. Like, I want to know everything about you. So I asked him everything. And he was, I, now he'll just say, like, you literally just grilled me the whole time. <laughs> but that's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, and it took us a while to have a, a second date. But I, like, I came home from the second date and I told my mum, I was like, yeah, that's the man I'm going to marry. Oh, really? Yeah, he just, I can't explain what it was. But it was almost that he was everything that I didn't expect so the fact that he was a Gwailgore I was like alright tell this go but the way he spoke about it I was like that is so beautiful or everything that he just everything that he said I hung on his every word I just thought he was so interesting and it was just a person that I had never anticipated meeting wow yeah I just and I loved that I don't know I just I love like he, he's he's such a creative mind but he's in like he, he his world is a digital world like he that's what he does for for work marketing digital all the rest of it but he's so creative so we meet on that kind of level yeah but he's also very business minded but he's not that kind of like suited and booted businessman yeah like he's just cool yeah and he's yeah he's just he just blew my mind really like i was just like you're you're a deadly piece of work like this is this is fab so how does he con- contribute in the relationship towards manly towards your massively business? Okay. that's what people don't realize yeah okay yeah um so do you know what it's something that uh i remember i wanted to say it so much on my wedding day in my speech i absolutely ruined it um but thankfully my mum i destroyed it i really did but thankfully my mum actually said it when um she gave her speech but he, he, living with me Living, and I think your girlfriend will probably have the same thing, living with people like us isn't easy mm. because there is no line between, mm. you know, the way people say, like, you have to get the work-life balance. Mm. <laughs> I don't have work and life. I just have life. life. And there is, no, there is no fine line. There is no nothing. Every part of my day is about manly and life all mixed into one. It's a very, very different and unusual place to be in. And when he took me on, he took manly on. And he never once questioned it. He never, he never kind of said to me like, so how much do you earn? There was never like, can you support yourself? Or okay. why do you Is keep... Is working? Exactly. Yeah. Or like when, you know, I'd finally take a, I don't know, a, when I'd be able to take him out on a date night, he never questioned why I was given, you know, the taste.ie vouchers for our dinner and saying we can only eat off that menu because this is all I can afford you know, and he, he just he doesn't question that stuff. I think he understands the passion I have for it. Mm. And then I suppose helps me drive it on. So we try and we try and do a manly night every week and since Pike's come along that, that's not really gone to plan. <laughs> but he I give him the content for all the newsletters and he then does all the creative for it and we send them out together. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So, so like as in the newsletters and he yeah, designs yeah. them and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um cool. and he advises me greatly like most of my decisions I'll kind of he, he'd be the person I'd I'd bounce the ideas okay. off um, and the thing is is that I, I think we could make Manly amazing like I love Manly right now I love the size of it and how I'm not producing a huge like it's 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 not turned into this thing that I can't maintain I've always wanted to keep it small and really unique and that we just don't overproduce things but I do think we've so much more to give mm-hmm. but you know the money sometimes isn't there you need a lot of funding to get these things going and his ideas 
like I come up with a lot of stuff as well mm. but sometimes he'll just put these ideas out there and I'm like Jesus Christ you ideas should be running this ideas to generate get yeah, the business running yeah okay. he, he, he looks at it in a very different way to me and I think that that's that's really important yeah it really is but like he he, he puts so much time and effort into it and just being the general support system there and not making me feel bad that you know every month my contribution mightn't be the same and that kind of thing he's he's a huge support yeah it's amazing I, do, I want to uh, well it's to, to you and Owen like embarrassing you now and some of the things that you have done that have been amazing you were a VIP designer of the year award last year 2018 yeah that's pretty amazing isn't it, it yeah look I was massively taken aback like I tell you, I wouldn't have had as many glasses of champagne there <laughs> before I went up and gave an acceptance speech that I don't think anybody understood. Borrowed. Oh, really? oh yeah. Oh yeah. They didn't show that in the TV, did they? Oh my, oh my god. god, it was tragic. Oh, it was really? so tragic. Yeah. That's your fucking. Yeah. You know, if you weren't expecting, you weren't expecting it. And um, you've done stuff like you, you've uh, famously done some wedding dresses for like people like Avian Garrity, Garrity, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's been eight, nine years of hard work and toil and busting your nut and you have you are getting success now and even success doesn't mean the financial thing either does it no and that's it's something I've always been very conscious of is that success for me is not something that's measurable Mm. through money Um, a lot of it is down to happiness but like it's also easy to say that when I have you know a mighty man beside me that can also care for me and now our child yeah um, so I'm in a very privileged position. Not everybody can do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very aware of that as well. But yeah, I think it's same as you. Like we just, we love what we do. Well, I, well, I mean, same as me, my arse. Like, I mean, genuinely, I, I, I follow your, your social media a lot and you inspire me so much. For, for like, I saw you going, you went for your first jog there recently. Yeah. That chap isn't even two and a half months old. I'm like, what is she doing? Is she mental? You know, like, but you're just so positive and going, yeah, it is tough, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know? Yeah, I think I, I just, I think I have this thing that I don't actually believe that anything is not doable. Like, uh, there's no line with me, which, it, which, it's also a terrible thing. <laughs> I should not have gone for a jog that day. Right. Like, no, I shouldn't have. Like, I was in the bloody <laughs> hospital a couple of days later. I, uh, I think yeah. I've destroyed myself. <laughs> I've just had a baby and I went for a jog. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, sometimes it's just pure stupid. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just... But it's coming from the right place. Yeah, I hope so. I yeah, hope so. Absolutely. Listen, I, th- well, I think we're going to have another podcast another time because <laughs> we're not going to get ha- through half the stuff. Thank you so much. I know you're so busy. Um, thank you for bringing the young fella along. It's uh, you're genuinely inspiring to see somebody doing the work that you do, and on top of that, being a mother. Like I've gone through through it as the partner of someone who's a, who is a mother, and it is the most amazing thing in the world what women do when they have babies. I'm completely taken aback. So I'm in awe of you as a as a as an entrepreneur, but as a mother, but as a human being. You're an inspiration. Thank Aww. you so much. Thank for your you time. so much for having us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.